You're listening to the Frugal Spender Podcast, where we have conversations about the one thing you've always been told not to talk about, personal finance. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Frugal Spender Podcast. This is episode number 13, and along the themes of bad luck, if you're superstitious, of course, is today's subject. And today I'm going to be walking you through five financial regrets or mistakes that I made in my 20s. Five things that I believe I did wrong and some of the lessons that I learned from them. So hopefully, regardless of your age, you can take something away from it that would prevent you from doing the same thing. Or you may already be doing one or more of those things. And at the very least, hopefully this episode will give you some food for thought. So I'm 33 now, which is pretty gross to say out loud. Despite still feeling like I'm in my 20s, it's safe to say it's becoming increasingly uncool for me to go to a nightclub. And I know this because I just got back from my stag do in Edinburgh. And before you ask, yes, I did wear a kilt and no, I didn't wear underwear. Well, there's an intro to the podcast you weren't expecting. So speaking of regrets, let's get into the five financial mistakes from my 20s. The first mistake I made may be the most controversial change that we made in our household finances, and that is that we financed cars. Up until the beginning of 2020, my fiancé and I leased cars because we convinced ourselves it was the best option. Not just because we got a nicer car, but we convinced ourselves that financially it was a better choice than buying secondhand. Because, you know, car repairs and stuff. And clearly, like many people, we rationalised buying a car we couldn't afford on finance so that we could have a nice car. But obviously, we weren't better off financially as a result. And this is a trap that I think so many people fall into, one that for most people starts or stems from keeping up with the Joneses and then later evolves into the same sort of thinking that I had, which is that you're actually better off buying a brand new car. Well played, car salesman, well played. The truth is car finance companies and big dealerships are there for one reason and one reason only, to make profit. Shocking, I know. We weren't even big car people, yet we were forking out nearly £300 a month for the privilege of just having a new car. £3,600 a year that we could be putting to better use, whether it's putting money aside to upgrade our car in cash, which we do now, or put money towards other things like holidays and other fun stuff. And for us, there were two issues that we came across. Firstly, we needed to get out of our lease. And luckily, the term that we had was coming to an end, but we still needed to fork out some money to ensure that the car was in the required condition to hand it back to the dealership. Then, the most obvious issue is having enough money to purchase another car secondhand outright. And this will depend largely on whether or not you have any savings or not. You definitely need to make sure you have an emergency fund in place and ideally be debt-free before getting here. But if getting out of car finance means you're a step closer to becoming debt free, then I would say get it done. Even if you were to buy a cheap car to start with, the money that you were spending on payments to finance a car can now be directed straight to upgrading the car as soon as possible. Genuinely, getting out of that cycle of car financing feels like we are free from shackles and I urge you to consider doing the same. If you're young and you're thinking about financing a car because you think you're going to look cool to your mates or more than likely the opposite sex, I can assure you it doesn't last long. Most people buy nice cars to impress people at red lights, people genuinely they're never going to see ever again. You're just not going to win with money with a mindset like this. Okay, so the second financial mistake I made in my 20s was to not track my expenses or budget. Budgeting always seems like a restrictive word that meant I could not enjoy my life. 
I thought of it as this financial equivalent of a crash diet. It means I go without and it's never really going to work. And ironically, now that I do budget, I actually spend more myself and more on fun than I ever did before. Why, I hear you ask? That's because I'm being intentional. Being intentional with money means deciding what's important and allocating money towards that. It means lowering your outgoings as much as you can, but ensuring you cover all of life's necessities. It means that you know exactly what you're spending, how much you're saving, and how much you're investing. And most importantly, it means knowing why you're doing what you're doing. And by doing this, you're not wandering through life, getting paid, and then doing your best just to make it to the end of the month without getting to zero, or for far too many people, not getting too far into your overdraft. So I use and recommend a zero-based budget system. This means you ensure that everything you spend each month is allocated to a specific goal. You tell every single penny of your income where it's going, ensuring that the final balance ends up at zero. This forces you to be intentional and literally know exactly where your money is going because you told it where to go. Budgeting really doesn't require much. You can do a budget on the back of an envelope, but I'd recommend using a spreadsheet on something like Microsoft Excel or Google Sheets because it's easy to access them on either your phone or your laptop and edit it as you go. And if you want to take a look at the spreadsheet that I've created, just head to my website, frugalspendo.co.uk. Again, you do not need this. You can do your own. But if you want a ready-made one, it's a great spreadsheet to get started with. Okay, number three, my scarcity mindset. So in my 20s, and truthfully to an extent, even still now at age 33, I have a scarcity mindset when it comes to money. And this is because when growing up, my parents didn't have a lot of money. Not that we were poor, but I certainly didn't have what some of my friends did. And as I grew up and moved to the UK, this stuck with me. It kept me in this mindset that there was a certain amount of money in the world, and some people had a lot more, which meant that other people had a lot less. And it wasn't until I learned more about money and a bit about economics that I started to understand that money's infinite. And to use a food analogy, it's like slices of pizza that are shared. There are actually infinite pizzas. There's not just one pizza that's shared between the world. The pizzas keep growing. It becomes more and more pizzas as people add value to the world. And the truth is, as flawed as many people think capitalism is, it at least allows absolutely anybody to make money by adding value to others, whether that's in your nine to five or your own business or a side hustle. For me, along with this mindset came a mental cap to my income, a glass ceiling that I thought I could earn. Completely invisible to others, but a very real feeling to me. Whatever I earned at any point in my 20s felt like it's what I deserved. Regardless of how hard I worked, I just know that I couldn't increase it. I accepted genuinely that money was just something I was never going to have. Friends and family that had money were obviously doing something I was not capable of because, you know, they earned more than me. They must have something different in their DNA, which obviously isn't true. Now, I'm not one to believe in woo-woo, but when it comes to the scarcity mindset, you know, convincing yourself that there's no limit to what you can earn is the first step to actually making more money. You need to believe that you're worth more and that you can do it, and you're just going to be more likely to do it if you start there. If you want to go deeper into the subject, and I recommend you do, there's a good book that explains this in great depth called The Scarcity Mindset, Why Having Too Little Means So Much by Elder Shafir and Sendil Mullenhatten. That's easy for you to say. Okay, number four, and this is a really honest one, and this mistake is a direct result of the previous mistake. I was, to put simply, a hater. A hater towards people with money. You know, rich people. I obviously didn't hate them, but I looked at them as different privileged even because it felt like it was something I could not attain. I thought of people who had money as almost evil and the truth is when you have a mindset like this you're preventing yourself from being rich people. 
Because why would you want to be those type of people? You're going to make excuses to not make more money and you'll most certainly blame other people for not having any money. This victim mindset is definitely what I had. The only thing that broke me out of this cycle was knowledge. I read as much as I could about personal finance and absorbed as much content on YouTube or blogs or anything I could get my hands on. This mindset is not exclusive to people in their 20s. I talk to people now pretty much on a daily basis that blame everybody else for their financial position other than themselves. Now, I'm not saying that people don't end up in dire situations as a result of circumstances that aren't in their control, because that obviously is not the case. What I think everybody should and must do is be in the mindset of how to break free of that situation. This, in my opinion, can only be done with good information. And if this mindset resonates with you, I'd recommend starting with two books, The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson and The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. These books genuinely kickstarted my passion for personal finance, and I think they could do the same for you. And number five, this is a mistake that I've already touched on already, and this is not reading or actively learning about money and personal finance. And truthfully, I believe this is a systemic problem. We don't get taught anything about how to manage money at school, and we certainly don't learn anything about stuff we should be doing, like investing. We don't get taught what rich people do. That is something we need to figure out on our own, which unfortunately, most people don't. Reading and learning about money was a transformative process for me and opened up my mind to a world of possibilities. A good example of this for me was prior to absorbing this information, I would have told you that investing in the stock market was pure gambling and that people who did it may as well just be putting their money on the roulette table. And now I spend a lot of time explaining to people what an index fund is and why investing in them is something they need to be doing for their future. The reason why one of these points isn't titled not investing is because reading and learning about money was the catalyst for me getting to investing in the first place. For me, it's like a natural progression. Once you've learned how to manage what you already have, you will then learn how to grow your money for the future. And there you have it. There's the five mistakes from my 20s. And I would say that if I could turn back time, you know, turn back the clock and go back, I'll change it in a heartbeat. But I don't think I would because I don't think I'd be where I am now had I not got myself into a poor situation. If I'd always just coasted and, you know, just got on with things and been okay, I don't think I would have had the fire underneath me to learn what I've learned and, you know, try and help people the way I am today. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast and you want to support what I'm doing, please go ahead and subscribe and leave a review too if you're getting any value out of the things I talk about. So I've been creating content about personal finance for about a year and a half now. And it's safe to say that the thing that keeps me going is knowing that at least a few of the things I talk about resonate with some people and hopefully they get some value and can change the things they're doing. Stay safe and I'll speak to you next week. Peace. Peace.